Have you ever been given a job that you really didn't want to do? I, yeah, put a hand up if you, you don't have to shout out, oh my goodness, that, that's most of us. Put your hand up if you've never been given a job that you didn't want to do. Okay, the others were, oh, just one, okay. We'll find one, we'll find one for you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a student, yes, I can remember that far back, and I was working on the night shift at Cadbury's making cream eggs. I don't like cream eggs. <laughs> and what happened was, it was my first night on the night shift making cream eggs. My job was to, as the cream egg moulds, M-O-U-L-D-S, came along the, the conveyor belt out of the cooler, I had to pick up the mould, cold as it was, unclip it, undo it, turn it over, with full span like that with my hand, and with a mallet tap the back of the mould so that the cream eggs would drop out on the conveyor belt and continue on their merry way to lots of mouths across the world. Sounds simple, sounds easy, and it was. Except that you had to work at speed. And except that if you got behind, the moulds <laughs> would build up. And you'd have a mountain of moulds there. And, and as I was tapping the back with the mallet... I kept getting this finger instead. And the finger... Oh, I better not go into the gory details. <laughs> You'll never eat another cream ace. <laughs> you thought it was the colour of the yolk, didn't you? <laughs> and after that night shift, I was, I was totally wrung out. And I made up my mind that I'd go back the next night. And I'm not really militant, but I was going to say to the foreman... I'm not going to do that job. You can sack me if you like, but I am not doing that job. So I went back the next night and I said, in all my 18 years of experience of life, I'm not doing that. Well, you've got to. No, I'm not going to do it. Well, but anyway, in the end, he saw sense. He could see the profits of Cadbury's were going to plummet like that. And so he put me on another job. And, and I have to say, if you want the story about what happened on that job, it, it's equally disastrous. <laughs> Is that why they had to sell it? That's, and so Mondelay came along. <laughs> We're thinking this morning about Jonah, the reluctant prophet. He was given a job by God that he really didn't want to do. It was rather more important than making cream eggs. It was to go to a city in Assyria, a city called Nineveh, and tell the people how wicked they were and that God was going to punish them. What could be simpler than that? Except that the Ninevites were known for being sadists, basically. Let's not put too fine a point on it. I've looped up in a book, and the things that they did to their prisoners... It really doesn't bear repeating, so I'm not going to repeat it. But if you want to look for yourself, it was horrific. They were not nice people. So Jonah, he got this instruction from God, so he decided he'd run away in the opposite direction. He started from Joppa, and Nineveh would have been going up to the east, northeast, where Jonah was meant to go, but instead he went in the opposite direction across towards Tarshish. That's about as far as you could go in the Mediterranean without possibly falling off the edge of the world or meeting dragons, who knows. And 
it's about where Gibraltar is today. Uh, so he really had his sights set on fleeing as far away as he could, away from where he was meant to be going. But Jonah was about to find out that it's not that easy to run away from God. I don't know if you've ever tried to do it, but we'll just hold that thought. He was going to find out how hard it was to run away from God. God sent a terrible storm. Awful. I don't know. No, I haven't been in a storm at sea. I kind of wish I had so that I could tell the grandchildren what it was like. But no, I haven't been in a terrible storm at sea. The sailors prayed to their gods for help while Jonah was fast asleep down below deck. And when the sailors asked Jonah who he was, where he was going and what was he going to do about it, he confessed to them that he was fleeing from God who'd made the sea Um, Hang on a minute, you're not thinking, Jonah, here. You're on a boat fleeing from God who made the sea. Think again. And God who made the dry land. Well, you've got no escape then, have you, Jonah? The sea started to get rougher, and Jonah said, the only way out of this for you chaps is to throw me over the side, get rid of me. They tried to ride out the storm, but it was no good. And in the end, they decided that it was them or Jonah. And so Jonah was chucked over the side. Immediately, the sea grew calm. Amazing. That's not the biggest miracle in the book of Jonah, but it is one, isn't it? And the the sailors, the pagan sailors, were overawed by this. So what did they do? They made vows to God. They made a sacrifice to God. And they feared God. Whether that brought them into believing in God, I don't know, but it certainly made an amazing impression on them. Meanwhile, and this is the bit that everybody remembers, a big fish had swallowed Jonah whole. And in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, we have an amazing psalm that Jonah prays while he's inside this big fish. I don't think my mind would have been... Well, I don't know. What would you... That's a question for house groups. What would you do if you had been in Jonah's position? Jonah acknowledges his desperate situation. And he says to God, as you do when you're in a tight corner, more or less, I'll do anything you want. Or I'll fulfill my vows to you, he says. I'll proclaim that salvation comes from the Lord. And then unceremoniously... I'm not sure if I should do sound effects at this point... You all do the sound effects. No, Chris is shaking his head, and he's got a sheet, and he's got a sheet to, to evaluate how good this or bad this sermon is. So, I won't do. so the sound of vomiting. One, two, three. Thank you. That's pretty pathetic, but unceremoniously, the fish vomits Jonah onto dry land. And he's put back to square one, as so often is the case when we disobey what God tells us to do. But Chris is going to come now with our Bible reading from Jonah, chapter 3. The reading is taken from Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5 and 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. 
Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Chris. For the second part of our talk, I want to focus on three key themes. I'll take about 20 minutes on each one. First theme is go. Second, second chance. And lastly, God's outrageous grace. So starting off with the first of these, go. We see God saying that again to Jonah in verse 2, don't we? Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. God seems to like the word Go. It's not that God just tells other people to go. He himself is a God who goes. He reaches out to people in their sin and their need, goes to where they are, makes the first move to win them back to himself. And we see that all through the Old Testament, a God who reaches out to people. But we see it supremely in Jesus. God the Father sending his son, Jesus, to go so that fallen humanity could be brought back to him. God is the first mover. And we see throughout the Bible God calling his people to be willing to go. Calls them to particular tasks he has for them. Matthew 28 is such a verse that should be written in here where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. And faithful to God's command, men and women down the ages have done that. They've gone in response to Jesus' call to them. Church history is full of great stories of people leaving the places where they've been comfortable and moving out to where God has called them to, to meet a need. Even as I was in the process of typing at the word processor, a friend of mine was on his way to Benin in West Africa. I bet not many of us can point to that on a map. But God had called him to go to help out the church there, just for a brief while, for a few weeks, to go and do some teaching there. And he was on his way there. Go to other nations, yes. But also in our case, it might involve going across the street, going next door, picking up the phone to sort of go to somebody else who needs a a word. We've got a wonderful gospel message to pass on to other people. And we have a a wonderful God who wants to show his love to people in bringing them back to himself, but using us as his agents to do that, to reach out to the places where people are, to go and sit where those people are. Do you remember Jackie was known as the thankfulness lady? Do you remember how in her hospital bed, yeah, she didn't have to even get on a bus or in her car, in her hospital bed, she encouraged others in the ward, in the bay, to think of something to thank, to be thankful for. 
and by implication to thank God for these people who were very, very poorly. There was, and with Jackie herself as being very poorly. You don't have to get on a plane to go in response to God's call. You can stay in your hospital bed. But be obedient. Sometimes at the end of a service, we pray, send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Send us out, Lord, to get out there and live and work to your praise and glory. And also, we're sometimes exhorted to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord. I like that. It's not just little mantras that we trot out at the end of a service. We are encouraging one another or being encouraged to actually go out there to go and love and serve the Lord, love and serve other people in the power of the Spirit. Anyway, back to Jonah. After his scary adventure inside the fish, he finally decided to go in response to God's call, and he went to Nineveh. Did you notice in verse 1 of the chapter we read, God called to Jonah a second time, gave him a second chance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The number of times that God gives people a second chance, and not just a second chance, but his patience is such that he goes on giving people other opportunities to fulfill what he's called them to do and to live for him. We see flawed characters, just like you and me, being given another chance to actually follow God and walk in his ways. Now maybe as we sit here or as I stand here this morning, there are things in our lives that we're not proud of even now and that we need to put right with God. Well, let's do it and let's get on with what God wants us to do. Maybe you say, well, I've messed up big time. I can never be used by God. Not true. Not true. God gives us second chances. Now that's no reason to live a sloppy, undisciplined Christian life. Far from it. We need to take God seriously when he calls us to do something. Jonah paid heavily by not obeying God the first time, had to be brought back into line. And we too are putting ourselves into harm's way if we are disobedient to God's call on our lives. Far better to obey the first time, not having to be kept nudged or whatever. Don't be like the husband whose wife had said to him, I'd like you to do this DIY job for me. And the husband said, look, when I've said I'll do a job, I'll do it. I don't need to remind it every six months, do I? (laughs) Psalm 95 says, Today, if you will hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. Take care, brothers and sisters, not to harden hearts, not to close ears, and be deaf to God's call. And either God has to send a big wake-up call like the fish in the storm in Jonah's case, or we could find ourselves missing out on God's call on our lives. But I'm so grateful to God that he doesn't just wash his hands of us and leave us to be. He wants to draw us back to himself and send us out to live and work for him in the power of the Spirit. I keep going away from Jonah, don't I? Let's go back to Jonah. And the third point, my, that 40 minutes has gone quickly third point is God's outrageous grace. I love that word outrageous when it's applied to God's grace. God's outrageous grace. Jonah did go into the city of Nineveh warning the people. 
God had said he would give Jonah a message to to teach the people. And Jonah preached 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now in Hebrew, that's five words. Don't ask me what they are because I won't be able to tell. Five words, a five-word sermon. No, don't say it. Now, whether that's the full message that God had given to Jonah or not, I don't know. Because when Jonah was in the fish, he said, I'll say, salvation comes from the Lord. Now, whether he was just saying in general in his life he'd do that, or whether he was saying, I'll tell the people that that is how it is. But there's no mention from Jonah here in Nineveh of salvation, of the need of the people to repent, change their ways, or of God. He doesn't even mention God, or of the possibility of forgiveness. Just a bald statement that the city would be overthrown. It is, it is very possible that that's the message that God gave Jonah to preach. Who am I to say whether it was or wasn't? But we know that Jonah was quite a reluctant preacher, even after his experience inside the fish. But whatever Jonah's attitude, and maybe in spite of the messenger, the people do repent. It's totally astounding. Can you imagine... Can you imagine standing somewhere in the boring or by the big bull where you get sort of people shouting at you as you go past, calling on people to repent and turn from their evil ways, and one by one and 20 by 20, they all stop, get down on their knees and ask God for forgiveness. I couldn't imagine that. Or maybe you've got more faith than I have. But that's what happened in Nineveh. The people repented. They even went as far as making their animals repent, having to wear sackcloth and and, and go without food and drink. And God saw this and he, the word of God says, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. So, after all, everything worked out well. And Jonah could go home a happy man, knowing that the Ninevites had repented. Job done. Tick that box. They turned to God. His preaching had been a great success. Yep. No. Not a bit of it. Jonah was furious. Because, you see, all along, he hadn't wanted the people of Nineveh to repent and turn to God. He wanted them to stay as they were and face God's punishment. And Jonah said to God, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall you by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were, you can see him shouting at God, can't you? I knew you were a gracious God, pointing the finger at God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And Jonah just couldn't cope with God's outrageous grace to people who didn't deserve it. That's the real reason why he tried to run away from God in the first place. We wouldn't be like that, would we? Of course we wouldn't. We wouldn't be like Jonah, like that. We've got a wonderful message to tell to people, and we want them to turn to God, don't we? I expect most of us here have experienced the loving kindness, the the grace of God in our lives we've asked God for forgiveness we've asked him to come into our lives and take over our lives that's the message that we want others to respond to isn't it before we have a big downer on Jonah let's dig a bit deeper into ourselves or this is a bit of the sermon you won't like let's dig a bit deeper inside peel off a few of those onion layers shall we 
it might be, just might be, that there are people who we wouldn't want to come into our church fellowship. No, you say, that's not me. Okay. But maybe there are prejudices there that we're not even aware of. We wouldn't want whatever it is, that sort of person to come in here, we might feel. It would really upset our nice, cosy fellowship. Yeah, think right now of someone, maybe a real person, maybe a type of person, if we want to put it like that, who would upset our nice, cosy fellowship, where things would have to change, where church might get a bit too messy if that kind of person came into our church. If you go to the Salvation Army Citadel in the centre of town, in the entrance hall there are two stained glass panels. On the one panel is written, Go for souls. Yeah, that's what we want to do. We want to go out there and win people for Jesus Christ. Let them know the gospel. That's great. We want to do that. And on the other panel in their entrance hall is written, Go for the worst. I like that. There's a way in which I don't like it. Who am I to say who is the worst? But I know what they mean. I know what they mean. God isn't just there for the the nice people. The people like me, if you think I'm nice. (laughs) And that's the mistake that Jonah made. God is there too for those who are outside of normal society. Those who are in our prisons. Those who have done terrible wrong. The call to repent and believe goes out to them too. And I say to them too because it comes to us as well. And Before we think and get too self-righteous, let's remember that Jesus needed to die. The Son of God himself needed to die so that we could be forgiven before we start thinking how wonderful we are. Our sin was so bad whether we realise it or not, that it took Jesus to die. He's there for those on the peripheries of society and he's there for us. And let's be ready for people to come to our church. Let's be ready to invite people to come and know Jesus and then leave Ben to cope with the messiness of it afterwards. No, let's leave all of us to cope with the messiness of it, like having a new child in the family. They don't come ready toilet trained, do they? No, it'd be nice if they did, but they don't. And there's lots of mess, there's lots of being sick again. And that's what it's like having a baby new Christian, and some will create more mess than others. But we, we as a church, if we're going to be doing our work for the Lord, have got to be ready for this, ready for this. I came across this prayer the other day. Lord, you give us a share in the work of growing your kingdom. Inspire us to spread the seeds of your gospel generously and liberally. Not just to those we think of as good soil. Not just to our mates and the nice people. But to everyone. And may our own lives be ready for the seed to take root and flourish. Let's be ready for whatever God has for us and whoever he wants to send us to. So, to summarise, go. Let's be listening and obedient for when God calls us to go. Be that from a hospital bed. Bless you, Jackie. 
be it on the other extreme in an aircraft going to the other side of the world, be it Kenya, Tanzania, wherever. Let's be listening and obedient for when God calls us to go. It may be that we've failed God in the past. <laughs> I won't say hands up who hasn't. I don't like people telling lies. <laughs> it may be that we've failed God in the past. God is a God of the second chance. He's wanting to reinstate us when we humbly come back to him. And let's be overawed by God's outrageous grace, both towards us and towards the people he sends us to. Amen.